Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Samuel. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 25. The book of 1 Samuel and chapter number 25. David is in the midst of his flight into the wilderness. He's been hiding from Saul and almost playing hide and seek from Saul for quite a while now. But it's also during this time that David has been joined by many mighty men. And now the count of the people that is traveling with him is about 600 people. 600 men who are ready to fight, ready to, to do whatever David has asked. And they built themselves up a little band. We saw this morning that they ran into Saul once again. And Saul happened to take a break, a siesta in the middle of the cave and David was able to sneak up to him to cut a little piece of his skirt, the garment that he had wore while he was resting and take it and once again say that I'm not trying to hurt you. Here's proof. I could have killed you, but I did not. My hand's not going to touch God's anointed. Saul was relieved at that time and convicted and set peace and Saul went away. So now David has a little bit of respite, a little time where Saul is not actively hunting him, where now him and his band are starting to gather up and trying to find a new normal. And they run into another person who gives them a hard time found in the book of 1 Samuel chapter number 25. The book of 1 Samuel chapter 25 and notice with me in verse 1. 1 Samuel 25 and verse 1. And Samuel died, and all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him, and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in Manon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great. And he had 3,000 sheep and a 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal. And the name of his wife, Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and of beautiful countenance. But the man was curlish and evil in his doings, and he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men, and David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name." And thus ye shall say to him that liveth in prosperity, Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. Now I have heard that thou hast shearers. Now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while that they were in Carmel. Ask the young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in thine eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, and I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand unto thy servant and to thy son David. And when David's young men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. 
And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told all those sayings. And David said unto his men, Girt ye every man his sword. And they girded every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up about David four hundred men, and two hundred abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything, and as long as we were conversant with them when we were in the fields, they were a wall unto us both night and day, all the while while we were with them keeping the sheep. Now, therefore, know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is son as a son of Belial." That a man cannot speak to him. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and 200 bottles of wine and 500 sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and a hundred cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servants, go on before me, hold Uh, Behold, I come after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. And it was so that as she rode on the ass, that she came by by the convert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. Now David said, Surely in vain I have kept all this fellow hath in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertaineth unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David. If I leave all that pertain to him by the morning, any light, any that pisseth against the wall. When Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell down before David upon her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said, Upon me, my Lord, upon me, let not. Let this iniquity be. Let thy handmaiden, I pray thee, speak in thy audience and hear the words of thy handmaiden. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name and folly is with him. But thine handmaiden saw not the men, young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, seeing that the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies, and they that seek evil to my Lord, be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thy handmaiden hath brought unto my Lord, let it be even given to the young men that follow My Lord, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy handmaiden, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee, and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God, and the souls of thy enemies, them shall he sling out, as of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord hath done 
to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou shed blood causelessly, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dwelt with my Lord, then remember thy handmaiden. And David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. And blessed be thy advice. And blessed be thou which kept me this day from coming to shed blood. And from avenging myself with mine own hand. For in very deed as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and to come to meet me. Surely there had not been any left unto Nabal by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which he hath brought up him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See that I have hearkened to thy voice, and accepted thy person. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house, like a feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, till, until the morning light. But when it came to pass in the morning, when the wine was gone out of Nabal, and his wife had told him these things, his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. And it came to pass about ten days after that the Lord smote Nabal, that he died. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David had sent and communed with Abigail to take her with him to wife. And when the servants of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spake unto her, saying, David hath sent us to unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thy handmaiden be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode upon an ass with five damsels of her that were after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. And David took an enemum of Jezreel, and they were both of them his wives. But Saul had given Michal, his wife, David's, his daughter, David's wife, to uh, Pilantai, the son of Laish, which was of Gilliam. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark something that the Bible says about Abigail and 1 Samuel chapter 25? 1 Samuel 25, and I want you to underline the name Abigail in verse number 3. Abigail, and then notice what the Bible describes her, a woman of good understanding. A woman of good understanding. And with this, we want to take this passage and do a character study, looking at it from the light of Abigail and seeing her, as she's pointed out and put the emphasis on her, that she is a woman of good understanding. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the Bible examples that you give. And as you give Abigail here, let us learn from her example and why you call her a woman of good understanding. That what she went through, the scenario that she lived in, and yet you still used her in a special way. I'm asking that you would let it apply to her own lives, that you would be an encouragement to someone, that they can look up to you and see that you're a great God and that you know what you're doing.
We love you. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. In the Bible, God loves to do character studies. You could study someone's life and learn quite a bit about them. And it's even better when God even earmarks and puts an old saying about that person. Abigail, a woman of good understanding. Now, Abigail, she was bright, intelligent. She was spiritually aware. She was also aware of the political situation of things going on. Unfortunately, she found herself in a very bad marriage. It was probably an arranged marriage, something that was done during the day, and her father had arranged a marriage more for the money than for marrying her to someone that was going to be right with God. <coughs> but she submitted to her husband and tried to honor, honor him just like the law said. But this is where she finds herself. She is a woman who's trying to follow the Lord inside of a marriage with a man who's not saved, has no desire to be saved, is not right with God, and hates God's man. And that's the place that she finds herself. And so with this, let's go ahead and let's examine this text and learn more about Abigail. The first thing I'd like to introduce you to is Abigail's foolish husband. Abigail's foolish husband. Now we start off with Nabal's name. His name means fool. Remember back in those Bible days, names were very important. Names were something that was given to someone to, uh, to give a description of what they were like. And again, could you imagine Nabal as a little baby, he's born, mom and dad look at him and say, what should we call this kid? Fool. That's a good name for him. You're a fool. That's a good way to start off life. His name means fool. So he acts just like the fool over and over. Not only that, but something interesting in verse number three. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife, Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful countenance. But the man was curlish and evil in his doings. The word curlish carries the idea of severe and cruel. He was a man who was of Belial, who was unsaved, and he dealt with people very harshly. The way that he spoke to people was very curlish, very severe. Very, he, he was not all about political correctness. He, he didn't like you. He hated everybody, spoke that way. It was just a hard person to deal with. And for Abigail, a hard person to live with. A person who just had an awful tongue and was very cruel in the way that he treated everyone. It's also interesting to note as we finish up verse 3 that this man was curlish and evil in his doings and he was of the house of Caleb. This means that Caleb, you remember Caleb, Caleb who said, I want that mountain. Guess who inherited Caleb's land all these years later? Nabal. So Nabal was the inheritor of Caleb's uh, possessions. He was the inheritor. He was a descendant of Caleb and now the thing that Caleb fought by for faith to go take the mountain, to go get rid of those giants, he now has. And it's given to someone who's a son of Belial. This is a phrase given in the Bible to say someone who's not saved. Someone who has no desire for God. An unsaved man has Caleb's holdings by faith. A man who is curlish. A man who is severe. A man who's cruel. A man who's evil. And yet he's got such a great wife. Abigail, his great wife. So we're introduced to him. Now, <laughs> what occurs 
<laughs> is that Nabal is very rich. It goes through his possessions. Remember that in the Old Testament days, people were marked by their wealth, by not how much they had in the bank, by, but how many animals they had. And so it goes to the list of his animals explaining that he's very rich and he's very uh, wealthy and he has lots of prosperity. And now it comes time that it's time to shear the sheep. Now, sheep shearing is not a very easy job. And it's something that you get all of your hands, all of your workers. They bring in all the sheep. And it's going to be a couple day period where they take all those thousands of sheep. They knock them down and they cut them. And if you've ever done any kind of ranching, we used to do branding season all the time. It was a very big event. I mean, you have to get the sheep and those that have horns, some of them you would kind of put acid on to try to make it so they didn't grow the horns where they wouldn't hurt themselves. You would have to hold the sheep down in a special way and shear them. And the sheep don't like to be sheared. They don't like it at all. And to have this all day thing, it became a festival. It became a big feast afterwards to, to feed all of the workers. It was almost like a big celebration day, the day of of shearing the sheep. So David has been protecting uh, Nabal's flock. They just happen to be camping right nearby. And for a period of months, they met with the workers, saw that the workers were nice, and David and his men kind of protected them. Wild animals, beasts, bandits, they just kind of keep an eye out, had a good relationship. They didn't take anything of Nabal's during that time. So when they hear about this festival and they know that there's going to be tons of food and that Nabal's very expensive and the men probably said, hey man, there's going to be plenty of leftovers. Why don't you go talk to Nabal and see? All right. So David sends 10 men to go and greet them and says, hey, we've been trying to take care of you. We've been trying to watch out for you. We were just wondering if we could just show up to your feast and, and partake, maybe get something and Nabal does not respond well to this. If you don't mind, let's pick it up in verse number 9. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. And when <coughs> Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? So he starts off with this remark. Who is David? Who cares about some piddly little guy? Now, let me pause and say just someone may give him the benefit of the doubt. Everyone at this time knows that David's going to become king. Saul himself is told before his troops that David is going to become king. Samuel had anointed David and it's gotten out. Everyone's recognizing that David's going to be king. So Nabal, who is full of wealth and prosperity, who's full of connections... He would have heard that David is supposed to be anointed king. So what is happening is that Nabal is not rejecting David as the shepherd boy. He's not rejecting David as the son of Jesse. He's rejecting David as the anointed of God. The next king. Nabal's next king. The guy who's going to be in charge. And Nabal knows this. But again, Nabal's the son of Belial. He's not saved. He's cruel and awful. And says... <laughs> Who's David? I don't care about David. He could go tell me himself. I don't care. I don't have to do nothing to him. Notice again he answers him in verse 10. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? And who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. He says, oh, it's no, it's no big deal. People break away from their masters all the time. Why is David such a big deal? 
And again, the Bible is going to indicate that the way that he is saying these things, you know, sometimes we don't get the emotion in black and white, but the way that he is saying this is very cruel, very severe, very nasty. You know, it's one thing to say no. Okay, fine. That's no big deal. It's another thing when you are very cruel and evil in the way that you're stating it. And that's exactly what Nabal is doing. Verse number 11, shall I take my bread and my water and my flesh that I've killed for my shearers and give it to men whom I know not whence they be? I don't know who they are. I don't care. Why should I give my stuff to them? And again, it's the way that he is saying it. It's the way that he's treating his, those servants. And so things are fixing to turn very, very ugly. Now what is happening is that David had given reasonable request. David had been protecting his flock, protecting his assets, protecting it. And now Nabal is refusing to acknowledge what David has done for him. And, David did, and Nabal didn't acknowledge David's reasonable request. So, what does David do when he hears that? Who cares? I don't care about what this David says. He don't care at all. David begins to take action, verse 11, or verse 12. So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told those things to, and those sayings. And David said unto his men, gird ye every man his sword. And they girded every man his sword. And David girded up his sword. And there went after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. So David gets 400 of his guys, pack it up guys, get some swords, we're going to town. And so they're preparing. And David says several times, he's planning on killing everyone. He is upset. He is not happy with how things turned out. He leaves 200 guys to guard their stuff just in case someone comes beside it. But David is on the march. Now, at this time, David, having so foolishly and publicly rejected David, again, this was public, Nabal exposed himself to David and God's wrath. With malicious, sprightly, and bitter rejection of David, Nabal crossed a hidden boundary between God's mercy and God's wrath. Even those he was with realized it. And they knew and they were frightened. Again, imagine now one of the servants who's watching Nabal answer David. And it's like, oh man, that's awful. And the way that he's answering them, they know that David's not going to take that well. It wasn't a nice rejection. He's railing on him. They use that word later. He's calling down David. He's saying David's stupid. He says, who is David? I don't care if he follows God or not. I don't care if he's supposed to be the next king. He's just going to town evil and rejected. And his servants are going, man, boss man's going to get us killed. Boss man's just keep, stop talking. You can almost see them back there. Shut up, please be quiet. Stop talking, stop. And he just kept going. And when David hears that, they know bad things are going to happen. So we start off with Abigail's foolish husband, who was very foolish in the way that he responded, which now brings us to Abigail's wise thinking. Abigail's wise thinking. So David grabs his soldiers and begins to march on. But one of Nabal's men realized they were in trouble. And so in verse 14. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out to the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. 
But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything, as long as we were conservant with them and when we were in the fields. And they were a wall unto us both night and day. And all the while we were, keeping, uh, were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what thou will do. For evil is determined against our master. And against all of his household. For he is such as a son of Belial. And a man cannot speak to him. So Nabal thinks he's just having a good time. And nobody could talk any sense to him. Man you shouldn't have said that. Shut up you're going to die. He's someone that people, if they tried to say, you shouldn't have done that, he's not accepting any kind of rejection or any kind of comments. He's someone you can't approach. He's such evil in the way that he responds to people. And so Abigail knows that trouble is coming. So, verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and 200 bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and 500 clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and hid them on asses. Can you imagine putting all that in your shopping cart? For ladies who go shopping, this is probably a couple shopping carts full. This is a lot of stuff, especially eat sheep. And so she loads them up and loads up the wagons, loads up the people and said, hey, go take them to David. I'm coming right behind you. Notice if you don't mind, if she continues in verse number 19. And she said to her servants, go on before me. Behold, I come to you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on her ass, she came down to the cover of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. So she comes down, sees David and his men, brings all the supplies. She gets off and comes down, bows herself and says, please, please don't kill him. And David says, here, I was on my way to kill everyone. He announces, I, I was on my way. Before the morning hits, every man is going to be dead in that camp. And she goes, please don't. And she begins to ask for forgiveness. She recognizes what David has done. Or what David is going to do. In fact, something interesting here is that in eight verses, within eight verses, 14 times she calls David Lord. Little L-O-R-D, which here is the idea of master. What she's recognizing is the lordship of David. The lordship, may we say if we're going to spiritualize a little bit, of the anointed one. She is recognizing that David is Lord and Master. He is the one that needs to be pleased. He is the one that needs to be uh, <laughs> taken care of. He's the one that needs to be obeyed. And 14 times, and let me tell you, that is quite a bit. 14 times in 8 verses, she calls David Lord directly. You are my Lord. You are my boss. And she comes and recognizes this relationship that she's in. That David is her master. David's not king yet, but she's recognizing him as her future king. She is recognizing, this is the man who's going to rule over me. This is the man who's going to be the boss. This is the one that I have to please. And she is choosing to, choose to please the king that is not on the throne May I take a little pause and say, you and I have a king that we need to please. This king is not on his throne yet here on earth, but he will be. And that if we want things to work out in our life, we need to recognize his lordship. What does it mean, lordship? It carries the idea that you recognize that not only is Jesus God, 
But he's our boss. He has every right to tell us what to do. Because he is our Lord, he is the one that we're supposed to please. So many times Christians move away. They're saved, but they have no desire to follow after Christ. They're saved, but they have no desire to please their master. And this is where things go wrong. This is why, by the way, God is calling Abigail a woman of good understanding. Because she is recognizing that God's anointed one is her king, her leader, the one that she needs to please. It is her master. She is recognizing this and it's going to serve her well because she is serving that master. She is serving the anointed one that God has given to her. Well, she points it out and says, hey, God has sent me here to keep you from killing. Hey, let God fight your battles for you, David. God can take care of my husband, Nabal. He's, he's not saved. He's a man of Belial. He's served Satan. God can take care of him. David, you don't need to do that. We understand that God's going to take care of all of your enemies. We have heard the things. God will take care of David's enemies. You don't have to do it yourself. God has sent me here to prevent you from shedding blood. And by the way, David would have been within his right to do so the way that he protected and did good, the way that he was going to be king. But she is protecting him at this time. And he recognizes this, that this is a woman of good understanding. She is recognizing that God is trying to stop David from massacring the entire settlement of Nabal's. If you don't mind, notice as it goes on, as she now pleads and begs and asks for David to take the gift and to, to <coughs> do all of this stuff. We also see that there's something that happens that day between David and Abigail. There's nothing illegal, nothing immoral, nothing carnal, nothing that even approaches the idea of an affair. But on a spiritual level, she has loved her master. The same type of way that we should love our master. The, the way that we love our master should be different than the way that we love anyone else. In fact, when we fall in love with our master, with the Lord Jesus Christ, we will be able to love others the way that we should. You understand that if you don't love God the way that you ought to, you will not love your wife the way you ought to. If you don't love Jesus the way you ought to, you won't love your husband the way you ought to. If you don't love... Uh, the Lord the way you ought to. You won't love your children the way that you ought to. Everything is going to rise and fall on how we love the master. And during that day, something special happened where she fell in love, not in a carnal way, not in an evil way, but in a purely spiritual way, she fell in love with her master and had a desire to please him, had a desire to honor him in a special way. And again, we're finding this spiritual reference that we ourselves we're to fall in love with our master. And if you're in love with your master, you want to please him. You want to honor him. You want to make him happy. It's not a burden. It's something we get to do because we love him. Setting up this spiritual principle here of Abigail, a woman of good understanding. Well, how does the story end? What things happen? What we see here is not only introducing that Abigail's foolish husband... And then Abigail's wise decision. But we also see something else. Abigail's new life. Abigail's new life. Now Abigail went back to her drunken husband. 
She went back with her home with a new Lord on the throne. By the way, her circumstances didn't change. She met a new master and decided to follow after him. She put God's anointed on the throne. But she went back home and things didn't change at home. Still had a drunkard as a husband. Still had an evil man, an unsaved man. But what did change is her heart. What did change was her relationship with her new master. That her marriage was still a drudgery, but she had a peace in her heart that no man could take away. She still went back and had a deal with his husband. Notice, if you don't mind, as we kind of catch the rest of the story, and verse number 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house, like a feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, <laughs> for he was very drunken. Wherefore she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. So David dismissed Abigail and called her blessed and said, You are blessed of God. God's got something special for you. She goes home with a peace in her heart, comes home and finds her husband drunk. Finds her husband at a big party. And she wisely did not address anything while he was drunken. So the next morning comes, verse number 37. And it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, his wife told him these things, and his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. So she went and found her husband. She talked to him, and the Bible records that his heart died within him, and it became a stone. What we see here is that he has now crossed the line. He has crossed the line where now God will not save him. Now, he could have went to David and said, David, I messed up and asked for forgiveness, but he would not. He has now crossed the line, which God has a line for people all over. There is a deadly deadline that you could cross where you say, I don't want God. I don't want his things. Leave me alone. And God will say, fine, have your way. Nabal died in his heart. He's still living. He's still breathing. But something died in his heart. And now he can't respond at all towards God. He has crossed a line. across a spiritual line. And now it's going to take. He's still living. He's still breathing. He's still functioning. But it's going to take some time afterwards. After he crossed that deadline. That he finally dies physically. Verse number 38, and it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal and he died. Here David, uh, David has done nothing to Nabal. He didn't come to him at all. But Abigail, who's dealing things wisely, finally tells him what happened and how she went to, um, to that she was still going to honor God's anointed, the new master. And Nabal came to the place where he rejected God one too many times. Died in his heart. And then he dies <laughs> physically. Well after an appropriate amount of time. David hears that Nabal is dead. And that Abigail is now widowed. And he remembers that this is a lady who has wise understanding. Someone who is very wise in her dealings. And he sends some men to go to her and says. Hey David wants to know if you want to get married. And she humbly says. I I'm not worthy to be married. How about this? I come and wash the feet of the servants of David. That's all I'm good for. She's humbling herself. She's not trying to say, well, of course, I've been waiting for him the whole time. Where's he been at? She humbly accepts this request. 
and she becomes, um, uh, becomes David's wife. But what we see here is we understand that Abigail, while she went back, she was determined to be the wife that she ought to be to her husband, even a husband like Nabal. She lived a victorious Christian life because she died to his meanness and to his spite. She died to his bad manners and bitter moods. She died to his drunkenness. She died to his sneers and his hatred towards God. And she says, I'm going to serve God because I'm going to serve my new master. He's the one that I ought to please. I know that I can't do anything about things at home. I can't do anything about my husband. But I could concentrate on serving my master. I could concentrate on serving God's anointed one. I could please my Lord. And that's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to please my Lord. And because she determined to please her Lord. She also was determined to be the best wife she ought to be. Even to a no good scoundrel scumbag evil, unsaved person like the foolish Nabal. And God rewarded her for that. Again, things didn't change instantly, but God did something. As for us, spiritually, you know what we're doing? We're waiting for our waiting, wedding day. Right now, we have to live in a cruel, awful world that hates us. We have to live in a world that's against God. But we could still live a victorious Christian life because we're looking to our master. He's the one we ought to please. He's the one that we want to love. He is the one that we want to honor. And as we honor him, we're looking forward to the day where Jesus Christ is going to take us home and there's going to be a great wedding day when that happens. We're looking forward to the time where God's anointed is going to come and take us away. And we could be with him forever. Again, we could see a lot of things that God is getting across spiritually. But we see the idea here of Abigail. A woman of good understanding. You know, we need more people with good understanding. We need people with wisdom. And wisdom comes from above. The Bible says that, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's where you start at by looking unto God and saying, God, what do you want me to do? You are the one I want to fear. You're my Lord. It starts off by acknowledging the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Acknowledging that he is the boss. He's the master. He's the one I want to please. And as we follow after him, he will give us wisdom to deal with the things in our everyday life. Again, things don't change overnight because you make a decision to follow after Jesus. But he will give you grace to go through the things that we need to go as long as it's him that we're trying to please. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308.
6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.